everyone, it's Jamie here, and we're back. So we're going to finish up with the spiritual laws of many and the difference between a rich mind versus a poor mind segment. So number five, and if you had missed the first one, um, I posted part one before this this audio. So it's the last one on my playlist before this one. So we're going to number five, the law of correspondence. The law of correspondence states that your outer world is a reflection of your inner world and corresponds with your dominant thoughts. This law explains most of the reasons why people become successful or unsuccessful, are happy or unhappy, are or are wealthy or poor. Their outer world reflects their most dominant inner thoughts. So let me just chime in. I can totally relate to this as well because when I didn't know better and when I didn't understand the power of my own mind, my life was playing out based on what I thought. And what I thought at that time, and this is back five years ago, so my life from the beginning up until five years ago, is that I, you know, I was using a lot of learned behaviors. So whatever I learned from the world or from my family or, you know, from friends, that's what I thought because I was just kind of winging it, <laughs> you know? So like, I didn't know any better. No one was teaching me these things. Or if they were like trying to teach me about it, I wasn't interested, right? Because I didn't see the evidence of their teachings. Because I do find that oftentimes people teach things and they want you to learn things, but they're not the, the example. They're not the demonstration. They just are, you know, they may learn it themselves and they want you to learn it, but they don't demonstrate it necessarily. Or I don't, I didn't see any like change in them to make me wish to be more and be better. So um, back to this, ultimately what this means when it comes to your financial situation is that nothing will change for you on the outside until it first changes for you on the inside inside your mind. Um, oh, another thing is that another limitation that I noticed people using, because I work with people and I talk with people a lot, is that they say they can't change their mind. They don't even realize it. They have control over their own mind. They think the thoughts that come, you know, just come and it's uncontrollable. Because I mean, I know we, we do think a lot of thoughts, you know, a lot of thoughts populate in our mind. And I know, I don't know the number, but I knew it at one point, it was like thousands and thousands of thoughts populate through our mind throughout the entire day. But the mastery of self, comes when you are able as a person to control your own mind. Trust me, it can be done because I'm I'm living, I'm a living, you know, example of it. I had to learn to control my own mind. And just the excuse that you can't is like, if you can't, who can? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's yours. <laughs> like, you have to be able, it, it's, and it just becomes a, at the end of the day, because I love simplicity, it's either you want it or you don't at the end of the day. You're willing to do it or you're not. And, you know, at the same time, be gentle with yourself because I remember back in 20, what was it? 2013? Yeah, 2013. If you know any, I'm going to just do a short recap of my story quickly. I was losing everything. I was failing in everything. I was failing in my marriage and my business as a mother um, and my finances, I was broke. You know, I just, 
I just was failing across the board, right? But at the same time, I always had my joy because like I love myself. I knew I was dope somewhere within, you know, even though everything exterior and around me was looking dim. So I ended up, I couldn't find a job. I moved to a new city, a military city actually. And, you know, it was really, I was non-military. So it was hard for me to find a job. I had a babysitter who would watch my son while I would go on job interview after job interview after job interview. She ended up getting hired. And I was like, where did you get hired at? And she was like, she told me. And I was like, let me apply there. I really didn't want the job. It wasn't making hardly any money. Um, I was making less money than I was since I was in high school. And I was like, let me just do it anyway, because I was running out of options. So I was starting to get desperate. I applied. I ended up getting the job. It was a job that I hated. I did not like. I did not really want. Um, and I started working there and I met some dynamic people. I had built some amazing friendships. Meanwhile, I was hating the job. I, you know, I was I was still struggling. Um, so I ended up six months later getting fired from that job. Um, and then within 30 days, like having to decide what are my next steps? What am I going to do? I'm a single mother of two. Like what, what am I going to do? I'm failing miserably. Um, so uh, I got a call from a friend who was at the job. I don't know, not a text. He texted me that day. I hadn't talked to him in about 20, 30 days out of the blue when I was going through my darkest moment within Christ, as I say, is he said, are you, what did he say? Are you okay? I think he said, are you okay? So he must have felt somehow, some way that I was not doing well. We hadn't talked or whatever. And I was like, actually, I'm having the worst, one of my worst days in a long, long time. And because I was, I was like, dude, should I move back home? Like, where should I go? You know, I didn't know what to do. Um, so he was like, okay. I told him what, you know, what was going on. He, he knew I had gotten fired. He was like, you're giving your situation too much energy. You're thinking about it. You're worried about it. You're anxious about it. He said, do me a favor, commit to doing this one week, go outside well, and go or go to the place where you feel closest to God, clear your mind of every single thought. Um, he said for about 15, 20 minutes, I think he said, um, and commit to doing it for a week. And I was like, okay, because I was in such desperation. I was like, sure, you know, whatever, I'll do it. Took my son outside. I sat on the porch. He played in the grass in the yard um, out front. And I just looked up at the sky and I did it. I mean, it was thought after thought after thought popping in my mind. I had, I made, like I had to, you know, remove each one and stop each one. It started to flow, 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 and it started. I started to slow them down, slow them down, slow them down. And it didn't even matter was it was it a good thought, you know, even the good ones. I, I just learned to like to slow them down, slow them down. It's because I'm I'm working within my own brain, within my own mind, not brain, my own mind. Um, so eventually they slowed down and, you know, I didn't clear every single one, but I had a moment to just focus on the sky and the sky represents to me limit, limitless, just like, or the ocean. When I'm at the ocean, I see the water. I just see limit, limitless. Um, so I did it the next day. Well, after that day, I felt so much peace. Wow, I have not felt this kind of peace in a while. I did it the next day and the next day and you know that whole week. And then I committed to two weeks and then I committed to three weeks and I just did it and it got easier and easier and easier to the point where I can just sit in the midst in the presence of God and be still, 
no thought would pop in. I learned, you know, to master that. I, you know, I stopped it within my own self. And by the third week, I was living in an entirely new city. I got so many downloads and ideas of what to do to get out of my situation. And I started a new life. So, and you know, it never stopped since then. But I just had to tell you that because when I talked to people about, and that's, and ultimately, I didn't know what I was doing at the time. I didn't know it was called meditation, but it was. Um, and I still do it today. And it's like, People say, oh, I can't do that. Oh, I can't stop my, the thoughts in my mind. No, you can. You have the power to do it. You just have to want to do it. So that's why, that's why I had to tell you that story. <laughs> okay, back to the um, spiritual law. All right, so next one. The law of abundance, number six. The law of abundance states that we live in an abundant universe in which there is plenty of money available for anyone who wants it. That is, of course, providing that you are willing to do what it takes to earn that money. In today's digital age of the law of abundance, I'm sorry, in today's digital age, the law of abundance has become more relevant than ever, as now most of the money in the world exists only in the digital realm as numbers on a screen. A good example of an excellent understanding of the law of abundance can be found with banking institutions. When banks first started hundreds of years ago, they provided people with a safe place to keep their gold coins and gold bars in exchange for a fee. A person would go to a bank, give that bank their gold or valuables, and in return receive a paper receipt. If they ever wanted to collect their gold, they would give the bank their receipt and receive the gold. But the bank soon realized that only a few people would come to collect their gold at any one time. This meant that the rest of the gold they were looking after was sitting there doing nothing. So the banks decided to use the gold that they were looking after to make themselves more money by investing it in other things or loaning it out to people at interest. As long as all the bank's customers didn't come to the bank at once, the bank will always have enough gold to give back to its customers should they ask for it. Today we call this fractional reserve banking and in and in the digital age, it is easier to do than ever before. Banks can now lend out virtually unlimited amounts of money because unlike physical gold, money that exists on a computer screen is limitless. As a result, lending institutions are able to make tremendous amounts of money as essentially they can lend out money to borrowers, which they do not really have and that doesn't really exist. And I agree with that. The only thing is, I mean, I do believe at a certain point the banks took advantage of people and created you know, help to create them more debt. But, you know, that's another that's another subject. But the summary, to summarize this all, is that since we entered the digital age, there has been an endless supply of money being pumped around the world each and every day. Money is not a scarce resource, which is what is scarce is having the correct knowledge and skills needed to acquire large sums of money. So ignorance. Therefore, the, the more you are able to develop your human capital, the more money you are likely to receive in return for your efforts. All right, number seven, the law of exchange. That pretty much was self-explanatory, so I'm just gonna leave it at that. The law of exchange states that money is a medium through which people exchange their labor and the production of goods and services for the goods and services of others. In other words, this law states that people receive an income for doing or producing something that other people value and are willing to pay for. Therefore, the higher the value of the service or product that you provide, the more money that you will receive in exchange for it. Um, I can totally relate to the law of exchange because I'll tell you, particularly within the last two to three years, I have totally 
use that law. Um, I I barter a lot. So my background is digital marketing and I've been doing it for five years. Um, so in all aspects of digital marketing, what I chose to do because I didn't have the money to necessarily pay these professionals was ask them, are they willing to barter you know, in exchange for services? So I would do their marketing. And I would tell you almost everyone say yes out of, I don't even know how many people I've <laughs> presented, but I did quite a few people and I bartered um, and I still got even though I didn't get physical money, I still got the services that I would have normally paid physical money to use. So I bartered, let's see, let me see if I can remember. I bartered photography sessions um, for a lot of my graphic um, images and stuff that I would, you know, need it photography for. I bartered um, oh, PR, public relations. I did that twice. I borrowed, not borrowed, bartered. <laughs> I bartered, bartered business mentors. I bartered for real estate investing courses. Um, what else? Oh, I bartered for credit repair. Um, <laughs> uh, what else? I bartered for so many things and I love the power of bartering. Let me tell you, like, I just love it because I, I was still getting things, um, that I normally wouldn't even be able to necessarily afford in that moment. So it was great. It was awesome. Oh, I even had a chance to barter a book publisher, but I, they're, they're, they made me an offer. I wasn't, I didn't really like their offer because I was giving a lot and I had to, I had to, they was giving a lot too, but I had to work far more than what the barter was offering. And I, I didn't want to do that. So, but yeah. And then just ultimately with that lesson, I would say most people don't have or get what they really wish to have because they are too afraid to ask. In that moment, I was not afraid to ask. Even if I got rejected, I think a few people did reject me. Oh, because I was looking for a um, raw food chef. I was looking for a yoga trainer. What else? I just had a list of things that I was looking for. And I, oh, I think it was this, um, what was he? Um, I think for um, acupuncture. Yeah, so quite a few people did either didn't, either ignored my request or said no. It wasn't, it was only a little bit, probably like three or four. Um, but I wasn't afraid to ask. I wasn't afraid of getting rejected because I got so many yeses in the process. Um, but you have to be willing to ask. So, and even about the willingness to ask, I'm going to cut this one off and do it at part three because then we'll go to law eight. But you cannot be afraid to ask people. I mean, I know I even for most of my life, I was so afraid to speak up and ask questions because I was so in fear of how people will respond or what they would say or what they would think. And, you know, in learning to love myself and understanding my own worth and the power that I have, you know, I was able to break that limiting belief and just ask anyway and be willing to get rejected. Like, it's okay if I get a no because it's closer to me getting a yes, right? But I notice a lot of people are afraid to ask. Even today, even some of my own friends, even some of my own family I'm speaking of, and even acquaintances, they're afraid to ask. Like I tell people and I share with people me and I plant seeds a lot and things that they, it could be life-changing and they're financial and, you know, other parts of their lives it could be super beneficial for, I just plant the seed because I, I don't force people, you know, they have to, they have to want it um, in themselves and they don't ask and they want it, but they don't ask. And because they don't ask, they miss out on something huge that can absolutely change your lives and once in a while in me planting those seeds it's one or two or three people who will ask and i'm like yes yes 
how did you get this? How did you, you know, win this? You know why? Because you ask. Like it's that it's really that simple. So I just encourage you to ask. Don't be afraid to get a no because it's again, it's getting cl you closer to a yes. So all right, I'll stop right three soon. Thank you so much for listening. Be well.